Welcome to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength. That Farm Life is a production of Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. We talk about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between. Because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now here's your host, Stan Norman. Hello and welcome to That Farm Life Podcast. My name is Stan Norman and I get to serve as the host of this marvelous ministry. Today we are very, very happy to welcome Homer Linderman to our podcast. Your bio says you have seen farm life from a lot of different perspectives. You grew up on a family farm. You spent 33 years as a high school agri-teacher and you teach um, somewhat at Arkansas State University, I guess, as well. You served as an Arkansas State representative and very active in the agriculture community. I'm assuming you have learned a thing or two about farming over the course of your life. Is that true? I would hope so. I've certainly seen it transition and change a lot over the years. I bet you have. We may talk about that in a minute. Before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself, particularly how you got into agriculture and farming. I was raised out west of Paragool. Uh, my dad couldn't read or write, so he respected a lot of people that, that had education and had done better in life. He was just a farm laborer. We raised hogs, uh, had them out in the mud on the ground and those kind of things. And, and as I got into ag and FFA, I started wanting to show livestock. And my dad uh, told me he wanted me to be an ag teacher like Tommy Hill. And Tommy Hill and Charles Harville were the two biggest influences on me, and they helped me to understand how it was changing and transitioning at that time and that there was something that was better out there besides just being a laborer. And I had a desire to have a better life. Uh, I remember when we got running water in the house. I remember when we got a bathroom in the house. And uh, so I uh, they helped me get a scholarship. Uh, for my first year, went to uh, graduated from high school, went to Arkansas State University, never intended to do anything besides major in agriculture and uh, wanted to wanted to teach ag because I thought I had so much respect for my high school ag teachers and knew what an impact and influence they had on me and a lot of other people. So you taught on the high school level, taught ag at high school. You probably are going to get some jewels in your crown in heaven for doing that. <laughs> I would hope so. I've I have had I have been blessed with a lot of really outstanding students, and today one of the biggest rewards is I'll have a former student that'll come up and say, "You helped me. You made an impact on my life." So, what were some of the challenges that you noticed back in your teaching career at a high school level that um, you noticed and had to work your way through on teaching those kids about agriculture? You know, it's a big change. I remember when the first girl took uh, agri at Green County Tech High School. Okay. Uh, I remember when the first female ag teacher started teaching in Arkansas. There were two of them started the same year. They're both of them very dear friends of mine, still are today, 40-some years later. And and so we've seen that change. Uh, I was very active in the Buffalo Island Junior District Livestock Show, and I remember when we started having a sheep show. We'd never shown sheep there before. It was all hogs and cattle. And uh, 
So we started showing some sheep, and then a few years later, they decided they wanted to show goats, and then they wanted to add the broiler show. And so those are transitioned. And one of the big changes that we see, uh, just a plug here, my grandson uh, made the sale at the Arkansas State Fair this past weekend. Top nine goats in the state. He owns three oh, of them. Congratulations. And, uh, and had a grand champion uh, slick shorn doe. And the goat show, so that's transitioned. I I was never around goats other than you know see. Yeah, growing up where I grew up, it was it was cattle. You bet that was it, and you didn't dare show up have sheep on your land. But it's now sheep and goats and all kinds of things. When I grew up, there were a lot of farm flocks of chickens, and a lot of people had hogs out there, you know, in their backyard. They'd have three or four old sows and raise their own meat, you know, and those things. And you don't see farm flocks of chickens very seldom anymore, and nobody's raising hogs out on the ground, hardly. So I want to circle back around to your teaching career in high school. When you were doing that, what was a one of the biggest challenges in teaching those young kids or those high school students? About agriculture. I'm sure they came in with an interest already or they wouldn't be in there. You know, one of the big things that we saw, I remember when a 13-year-old could drop out of school and keeping those kids that had a work ethic in school uh, because there were factories and places that were dangling money out there and they just letting them understand that there was something that was more important that was out there. And, and seeing that change. But again, adding the different animals, uh, greenhouses uh, in, in schools were something where a student could go in there and learn and see that, that they were changing and transitioning into the science aspect of it. Uh, I, re- I remember a little farm out there where we were raised, didn't know much about pulling soil samples or putting fertilizer on the place and those kind of things, you know. And so these these have transitioned over a period of time. So I, I know a lot of people. In fact, I, I had lunch with a guy last week that grew up on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania. He is now a very successful business professional in the Little Rock area. But he pretty much determined early on that he did not want to go into farming. In fact, it was almost like his parents, particularly his father, was encouraging him not to return to the family farm, especially the dairy part. You you grew up on a farm and you stayed to the task. You kept to the to the, your hand to the plow, so to speak. What was it about that that you went back to the farm as opposed to a lot of young adults grew up and they leave the family farm? One of the things that has changed in ag education was when I started, one of the big emphasis was on the ag mechanics. Uh, I turned out a lot of welders. Uh, several students are electricians now. And the real push in agricultural education was ag mechanics and hands-on agriculture. We had two uh, supervised experience programs. Uh, the type A was the one that they wanted everybody to go out and raise crops or livestock. And then the type B was where they actually worked. Uh, And over a period of time, we had fewer and fewer students that were raising crops or livestock simply because of the logistics of having land and the expensive land and people were moving into the houses. And so that has changed and transitioned over a period of time. I uh, have seen this and a lot of new contests have came in to interest the students when uh when I started teaching, we had three people on the livestock judging team. Now we have four, and they mm. do pedigrees, and they do 
keep call classes and they do some, you know, production testing that plays a part in that. Uh, we have a wildlife management contest now, which I think is wonderful because it teaches kids about nice. natural resources. Yeah. And, and so a lot of these things, uh, getting the kids involved, uh, it doesn't really matter. But you grew up on a farm. You grew up working hard. That was your upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then when you had the opportunity either to go away and do something else or go back, you went back. Why did you do that? <laughs> It was uh, a work ethic. Uh, I was taught to work hard. Yeah. My dad was one of the hardest workers that I knew. We got up on Saturday morning and we went and cut wood because mm-hmm. we had a wood burning stove in the wintertime and things like that. We went and worked around fixing fences and doing those things. But it was a love of nature. Uh, one A former student that I have that is a very successful farmer now, when he was a little child, he had a garden. And it was a great source of pride for him to watch and see that grow. And people do the same thing, whether it is growing a garden, watching a tomato plant grow, or how much they can make that produce and how clean and pretty those rows are, Uh, or whether it's raising a set of broiler chickens. Uh, Meat rabbits are a big thing right now. And the goats and the lambs are things that people can handle and do. Not every kid can handle a 1,300-pound steer. Not everybody has the place or ability to raise a 280-pound market hog. Hmm. But a lot of them can have broiler chickens. They, We have students that are successful doing that on their carport. And it is a love of animals. Uh, and, and we need to do more about teaching people about how healthy our foods are and where they come from and how we do grow them. Uh, we have a lot of people that have misconceptions out there that we're shooting animals full of drugs and, and all of our food products are covered in chemicals, which is not true. Uh, and and that's going to something that we have to do and educate the people about. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is you went back to farming, you went back to ag because you love hard work, you, you love the family environment of it, you you love animals, you love the nature part. You love watching things grow, and I'm also thinking you love watching young adults come into it and embrace it as well. That's true. We uh, Yesterday afternoon when you said that, I thought of that. I was out there with a little three-year-old. He was on his pony, and I was on my colt, and Mm -hmm. my daughter was giving riding lessons to another young girl. I love that family time. Yeah. Uh, my kids grew up, they high school rodeoed. They showed lambs. My daughter actually showed cattle a little bit. We were around horses every time. I said every time a horse got still around the house, my son was on it. We They team roped. So that family time was incredibly important to me. My dad, I was the baby of the family. Uh, my grandfather died in 1930 on my dad's side from an infected tooth, apparently. They didn't have antibiotics and things at that time and so my dad was not as engaged with me uh i had a much older brother and so he did things with him you know and i was the one that stayed home with you know with the women folks because i was in the way and then as he got older i don't mean he wasn't a good dad it was just a different time yeah uh as i got older then he became more engaged with me and he wanted me to be successful and he encouraged me 
uh, I mean, he helped me buy pigs and feed them, and and he'd help haul, haul them to shows and do those things. And he and as he became engaged, but it's a love of family. Yeah, we are very active in our church. Uh, we do a huge food pantry at our church, uh, and it, and it is a service. It is a giving back. So your kids have taking up the mantle. Your children are also in farming, aren't they? <laughs> Both of my children teach high school agri. My son You is, raised them right. You raised them right. <laughs> my son-in-law is also a high school ag teacher. Uh, my son is at Greenwood. My daughter is at Brooklyn, and my son-in-law is at Marmaduke. Wow. We get to spend a lot of time with them. I was fortunate that my children loved what I loved. They were out there working cows. and Well, that's and, a testimony to you and your <laughs> wife, teaching them to love what you love. That That's true. We we were blessed. We we went drove lots of miles to uh, look at sheep, uh, go to shows, hauled a lot of horses to a lot of rodeos and those kind of things. We did spend a lot of time together as a family. What, from your perspective as an educator, a longtime educator, what is it that's attracting kids today to farming? And I'm I'm speculating here, maybe not as many are attracted as maybe they once were in previous generations, or maybe there are more. Maybe you want to speak to that, and then what is attracting them? You know, that's one of the things that we see, and and it's uh, you know there are highs and lows and everything, and I, and there was a mass exodus away from the farm. Uh, for a lot of years, and now we're seeing more, and, and ag and FFA are putting more emphasis like on urban agriculture. Mm-hmm. They're urging people to uh, have a uh, some kind of a small agriculture thing, and, and this was interesting. When I was at Hoxie, we had a uh, raised beds out there where we grew a lot of crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out there, and we took soil samples on every bed. We went over those with the students, and uh, sometime later, there was somebody posted on social media, is it important kids learn to grow their own food? And there was one of the girls, yes, my high school ag teacher taught us how to raise different crops out there. And there were a lot of lessons. They wanted to come out there. And the, the one thing that we did was they went out there and they got their hands dirty. They they watered. They looked for insects. They pulled weeds. And then we ate what we grew out there. That was a big deal for them. You know, yeah. we'd come in there and make stir fry on a hot plate. And that was a big deal for them. I said, we grew uh, snap peas. And I'm not sure any of them ever made it in the classroom. They ate them all outside. I tear wiping them off, you know, and washed them with a water hose. And so uh, they, they love that thing. So what are the challenges today for young people moving into farming? You know, extremely high land prices they Mm -hmm. are so much more expensive now than they were and wages really did not keep pace with the land prices um i had a older man that mentioned that one day and and he had bought 96 acres back when he was a young teacher and he bought it for about a year's salary and i said i'll give a year's salary for it now and he laughed and he said yeah i bet you would you know and it was three or four times higher so the the land prices and populations went up. When I was a, uh, a young person, we hit 200 million people in America. Now we're at 318 million or something like that. Uh, we're taking more and more land out of productivity with houses and buildings and roads uh, and those kind of things. And uh, and so the land is a lot more expensive. Um, factors, you know, when I was a kid, you never heard of this. Now, uh, Paragul, who the the mayor is, is a nephew by marriage, but you can only have four chickens and no roosters. 
inside the city limits of Paragool because they don't want to hear them crow. And so we yeah. see those things happening. People don't want to smell the manure or have the flies with animals around. And so that's harder. My dad always told me that's the smell of money. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's what I was always taught. So we, you know, that's where some of the things like rabbits, uh, the meat rabbits, are. they are a big deal. I'm not there yet. I can get there. I'm just not there yet. So let me, let, let's go back in time and pretend I'm 18 years old, which we're going back a long time now. And I'm thinking about a career in farming. You're the high school ag teacher. I'm coming to you for advice. What would you tell me about Okay, this is what is good, and these are some things you're going to have to consider in that decision. Yeah. The big thing I would tell you is to get your feet wet by starting small, either starting with meat rabbits or something like that. If you think you're interested in animal agriculture, uh, start a raised bed Mm -hmm. to grow a crop and see if it's something that you're interested in. Uh, The challenges are going to be the cost of money. Uh, buying land. There was a place in Iowa, I believe it was, that was $34,000 an acre for production land, production agriculture. I'm not sure they're ever going to make that uh, yeah. that pay out. Yeah. But the land is expensive. I have a neighbor very successful in our area up there, and, and he started out on a small cattle farm there, and they didn't have a whole lot, and he decided he was going to do it. So he got a job. And then he started renting land, and as he became better financially able to do it, he started purchasing land, and he has done very, very well, but it's over a period of time. And a lot of people, including me and everyone else, we want instant gratification. We want it right now. And it takes a long time to build that legacy of a farm uh, if we don't have it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's very lucrative for a few of the high-end people. But then 80% of all small businesses fail in the first five years. One thing that comes to mind is endeavor to persevere. Stay with it. Uh, Don't give up. There are going to be highs and lows. Uh, The creed says, I know the joys and discomforts. There are a lot of joys. Mm -hmm. One of the neatest things of creation to me is to see a baby calf born and watch him get up and go nurse that first time. That is one of the the neatest things in the world. And then there's that other side when you have to go dig that hole and put them in it, you yeah. know, and bury them. Uh, you know, there is. Or you go out there and, and you were gone for two days and, and the and the uh, tomato hornworms have defoliated your whole tomato crop. You know, you go out there and you go, wow. And so there are things that they learn. There are life lessons that mm-hmm. they learn in that. Have you ever told a student that came to you to have that conversation? Did you look him or her in the eye and said, I know you, I know you well, probably not for you. I have not. Um, I, t- I try to be very positive. Sure. Uh, but also, also realistic. So you need to look at and consider these things right here. If you're interested in doing this, uh, this is what you're going to have to do. Uh, you're going to have choices and decisions that are going to make, and you're going to have sacrifices. Those people that are successful in farming today, uh, they've either inherited it, they have made a lot of sacrifices. The young man that I mentioned, I said, was very successful. Uh, he and his wife both worked, and then he was coming home and crawling on a tractor or a combine and working. You know, he was putting in 12, 16 hours a day, working weekends, doing those things as well. It, it is going to have to be a work ethic. They're not going to be able to <clears throat> go out to the lake 
uh, every weekend in the summertime. You know, I mean, they may yeah. get to go some, but they're going to have to sacrifice some of their time and their leisure time to do that. So you have a lot of experience, a lot of life lessons you've learned, both practically and informally in education. Is the future of farming getting bigger or getting smaller? You know, there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, challenges. One that I saw this morning was Jason Davis. His dad, his family is good friends of ours, and he's working at the University of Arkansas, and he was talking about drones. Forty years ago, we never heard of a drone. Yeah. And now he's looking at using it to apply pesticides fertilizers, treat sick animals and those things. And and he said, we're going to have to develop some of that software so that we can decipher the information and see what this drone is going to do. Uh, grid fertilization, that is a huge concept that makes farming so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. And I look at, and the prices haven't kept pace. Right. I sold hogs for <clears throat> 38 cents a pound when I was in high school, and now they're about double that. Uh, but a new truck when I graduated from high school was $3,500 and now they're, it's more than double that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. It's, you know, $75,000 yeah. now. And so equipment cost brand new 4020 John Deere was around $7,000 and there's a new tractor at my house that now that's 61,000. So if I'm a family, <clears throat> I want to go into farming. Um, is my better play financially? to do the bigger commercial grade, commercial level kind of farming? Or would I be able to support my family, support my life, and be content with a smaller, more family-oriented farm where I'm actually selling my produce myself, some kind of a farmer's market, or, or some kind of farm-to-table or farm-to-grocery kind of relationship in the area? You know, the niche farming is a big deal right now. And yeah. the the farmer's market at Jonesboro, and I know Williams Baptist is working on that. Yeah, we have one. Those are big deals. They are where people are come and they're willing to have that interaction with one-to-one to look at a producer and say, how did you grow this? How, how was this produced? So I would say transition and grow into it over a period of time, whether you're selling beef to go into a freezer whether you're growing tomatoes and cucumbers and squash to sell at a farmer's market. So there is a niche there that I could live comfortably. Maybe it won't get rich, but I, I could support my family and find the meaningful things that farming brings, as you've already described, in a smaller, more family-oriented farm. Oh, very much so. I was told this this weekend, the average income in Arkansas, and I was a little shocked about that. It's only $29,000 a year. So a lot of people that do the farmer's market and things, they they work at some other place, and then <clears throat> they do this uh, as a part-time job, mm-hmm. and it, it grows and evolves into that. I have some friends that the the wife was uh, worked in the healthcare profession. The husband farmed. And over a period of time, they were able to grow that farming operation to where now they both of them are just out enjoying the farm. And 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 there is joys and discomforts. Uh, the family time is incredibly important to me. We drove to Little Rock every day this weekend so we could see our grandchildren and see them show and, and watch them do what they loved as well. So I have two more final questions for us, and then uh, we'll, we'll land the plane, so to speak. 
Uh, how big a part has faith played in your career and in your farming life? You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I hope I never forget that. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 22, 1 says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor, rather than silver and gold. It does have to be a part that's part of that family. Uh, the family that prays together stays together. You hear that? And uh, my wife and I are involved with the Church of Christ at Brooklyn. Uh, I am a deacon that's there. She teaches uh, Bible class. And both of our children are active in church. And so today we see half the marriages end in divorce. We see families that the children do not have any contact with their parents. And I I don't understand that because... (laughs) The first time I saw both of my children, my heart just melted, and I thought I will die for them in a heartbeat. You know, it never crossed my mind not to. And we do the same with grandchildren. Uh, I was afraid I was going to be late this morning because grand, grandson was at the house. You know, well, you know, left. there is a grandchild excuse. I'm a grandparent now. <laughs> I have two granddaughters, and so there's a lot of leeway. You can get away with a lot with those grandkids. You bet. We, uh, you know, like I said, we, whatever they want, you know, it's a joke at our house with whatever the grandkids want, that's what they get. That's right. The answer is yes. What do you, what's the question? <laughs> you bet. So final thing here, let's say I'm a farming family and I'm sitting in front of you and I'm, we're struggling. We're, we're, we're having a hard time. What, what encouragement would you give to the farming families that are listening to our podcast today? Reach out. To those people, reach out to their spiritual advisors. Yeah, reach out to their friends. Let them know, hey, I need some help. Uh, the Bible tells us, bear you one another's burdens. And I think that that's something that, as men, and sometimes as independent people, that we say, hey, I've got this. I don't need your help. Mm. Uh, but we do. We need that that support and that help of other people that are like minded, people that love us and care about us, that love and care about our children. Uh, we need that support. Yeah. And and that support oftentimes is there when somebody says nobody cares. They just haven't asked the right people yet. Uh, I know we took care of about 220 families last week at our food pantry. And there were people, there was about a dozen people running around loading stuff, carrying stuff and putting them in there and telling these people, hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, the Bible tells us to take care of those that are in need. Yeah. And if we are Christians and want to enjoy eternal life, uh, we have we do those things. Yeah. But we do those things because we love those people and care about those people. That's right. Well, we have a statement here saying that it's okay to not be okay. We just want to help you not stay that way. <laughs> and Homer, I think you've helped us with that today. I think there will be listeners that will be encouraged There will be listeners that will take your advice and go out and find help if they're needing that. And I also think there may be some that are listening that may be entertaining the idea of getting into farming. And despite the challenges and the heartaches, you have brought encouragement that there is a lot of good in the agriculture community, a lot of good in farming. So thank you for being here today. We are very happy to have you as a guest. And again, this is that Farm Life Podcast. We are delighted that you have listened to us today and want to thank Homer for being our guest today. And remember, keep the faith, keep farming. You've been listening to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength, with your host, Stan Norman. 
That Farm Life is a creation of AgriHealth Network and is produced by Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. AgriHealth Network exists to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about AgriHealth Network at agrihealth.net and more about Williams at williamsbu.edu. That Farm Life is produced and edited by Mike Dixon. Chris Grady and Brett Cooper serve as executive producers, and Elizabeth Ring is our production assistant. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep farming and keep the faith.